Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal Part 18B of N, More Regular Expressions. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials I wrote over at bartb.ie forward slash ttt. This originally aired as part of Nasillacast episode 472 hosted at podfeet.com. I'm Bart Bouchotts and the other voice you're about to hear is Alison Sheridan, host of the Nasillacast podcast. Okay, so last time we, we, we sort of stopped halfway through what is one blog post on my site. So it's we're still on Taming the Terminal Part 18. It's now Part 18B. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyways, it's messing with our numbering that, a bit. Bart. No, no, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's look, I'm here to be entertaining for an hour. If I manage to do that without using all my notes, yay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So where did we leave off last time? It's uh, okay. a head scratcher here. Right. So last, okay. So where it stands now is that we've we've learned how to match characters. We've learned how to do a wild card with a dot. We've learned how to use cardinalities to give us, you know, one or more, zero or more, zero or one, or anything in between. Really, we've learned about character classes. We've learned how you can invert the character classes. We learned about or statements. We learned about grouping. And the last thing we had done was we had uh, come across. So we'd done the the escape sequence so that we can actually look for an actual dollar sign, look for an actual period symbol. And then we had said that, and a neat little trick is that you can use character classes to stop having to use those horrible backslashes a lot of the time. And then we'd stopped. So that's where we're picking it up. So if you're looking at the show notes at bartb.ie, it's now the, the section titled escape sequences is where we're dropping back in. Okay, good, good, good. I think okay. I'm up to speed. Okay. So, Although it's really nice to avoid unnecessary escape sequences with the square brackets to make your stuff easier to read, you know, square brackets period is easier to read than backslash period, same for the dollar. There are actually some really good escape sequences that are sometimes unavoidable and sometimes just make your regular expressions way shorter and more human. But wait a minute, minute. you had just finished telling us at the end of last mm -hmm. show that we shouldn't use the backslash dot because that was too hard to read. We should use those square brackets. But now you're telling us to use the backslash? There are, yes. So the backslash also is available with, instead of it being backslash and a symbol, there's a whole bunch of backslash and a letter. And backslash period actually is very hard to read because in our brain, a period is something that ends and it doesn't really seem like one one symbol, backslash period, but backslash N, backslash T, and all the ones we're going to be meeting now, our brains read those quite well, actually. And they're, they're abbreviations of English words, so you actually do start to see them very clearly. So okay. when you see it written down, it will actually make sense. And then there's one escape character that's just utterly unavoidable, backslash, backslash. The only way to match a backslash, no matter where it occurs in the regular expression, <laughs> is backslash, backslash. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that that's just, it's ugly, right? It's really ugly because it means that if you're looking for, say, uh, oh, where, there's some things where you have, uh, say, a Windows, the, the address for a Windows network file share starts with two backslashes, which yeah. in a regular expression becomes four. <laughs> oh, that's right. Be backslash, right? backslash, 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 backslash. So that, that begins to mess with your head. And that's annoying, but I'm afraid there's no way around that one. So, okay. sorry. <laughs> Um, so we're going to look at some of these other fun escape sequences. So the, sort of the clear, nice ones. So backslash, backslash, we have to use because there's just no other way. So we have to suck it up and just you know deal with it. Okay. But then we go on to the useful ones. So backslash n means match a new line character. What's a new line character? 
So a carriage return. So, you, you, right. Oh, the right. grep command uses regular expressions one line at a time, but there are other commands that will use a regular expression on a whole load of text. So when we're using egrep, backslash n is useless to us because nothing contains backslash n's. Because egrep's job is to break a file into little pieces and then give it to you one line at a time. Okay. But other commands don't break it up one line at a time. Other commands will look at the whole big glob of text, in which case you may actually want stuff where you want to have like the last word on one line and the first word on the next line. Then you'd need to match the backslash n. Okay. Backslash T matches a tab. Again, if you're trying to find data in something that's formatted, being able to count the tabs and then say, I want the thing after the fifth tab or something, right? Oh, you right, know, right, right. Yeah. You need to be able to match a backslash T. So you need to be able to match a tab character. So backslash T matches a tab. And then we get into the shortcut ones. So we have learned now over and over again that to get a, you know, to get one digit, it's open square bracket, zero dash nine, close square bracket. And that's quite big. Instead, you can say backslash D for digit. And this is what I mean by them being Englishy. So slash D means a digit. And it has to be a oh, lowercase. That's nice. D. That's a lot fewer characters, too. Five it's a lot fewer characters and it reads nice and Englishy. So backslash D digit. Okay. Backslash uppercase D means the inverse of that. And that's something you're going to see happening a lot. So something so, that's not a number. Exactly. So it's the same as the character class, open square bracket, the hat symbol for invert this, 0-9, close square bracket. Again, way shorter, backslash capital D. Okay. Backslash lowercase w means any word character. And a word character is an A to Z, lowercase, an A to Z, uppercase, or an underscore. And so when you see that character class written out in the show notes, that's really quite big, and we're replacing it with backslash w. Much nicer. They consider an underscore a word character, but like a dash is not. Oh, a dash is not? No, a dash is not. It's weird. Huh. I'm not, I wouldn't have defined it that way, but I didn't write this. <laughs> okay. All right. Backslash capital W is the inverse of that, so not a word character. Okay. That's a lot shorter. It's a lot shorter, and I've realized I've made a tiny mistake in the show notes that will be fixed before this goes out. Uh, a word character also includes zero to nine. Oh, oh, okay. Huh. And a not word character is not zero to nine, obviously, as well. So I need to pop those into the show notes to make those correct. Another very useful one is backslash space, which basically will match a tab or a space. And A, sometimes it's not very clear when looking at a you file. backslash is a S. You said yes, backslash Yes, sorry, backslash S. S means space. Sorry. Okay. Because uh, it's not always clear if you're looking at something. Is that a tab or is it a space? Maybe you don't care. Backslash oh, S right. plus one or more spacey things. <laughs> right. Backslash S plus is very useful. Backslash capital S means everything that isn't a space. So if you're, if you're reading in something that's space delimited or tab delimited, then every time you meet something that's not a space, it's the start of something interesting. So backslash capital S can be very useful. And then the last, well, the last little group of ones are for matching what are called word boundaries. Hmm. And so if you look at a file, right, a word is not something that starts with a space, then has some letters and ends with a space. Because a sentence is going to be, you know, the quick brown fox jumped over the whatever. The word the doesn't have a space in front of it. And whatever came at the end had a period on the end or a question mark or an exclamation point, not a space. So word boundaries are much more generous sort of matching. So basically, if it's a start of the line, that's a word boundary. If it's punctuation, that's a word boundary. If it's a space, that's a word boundary. So backslash B 
is a way more generic thing than than the, the hat symbol or the dollar sign. Okay. So it's basically, okay. and backslash B means a word boundary. So start or end, you can use backslash B for. Or if for some reason you want to be really specific and say, I only want to match the start of a word, it's backslash open angle bracket or less than sign. And the end of a word is greater than sign. And I like using slash B. I don't like using the the greater than less than, but you may think differently. Yeah, I kind of like that backslash less than and backslash greater than because it just sort of looks open and final to me. I guess visually it's quite pretty, yeah. Yeah. So I, you should... to remember and type. Well, you see, the thing is, if it looks intuitive to you, there's less remembering. There so anything that makes sense to you, you'll remember much easier than something that doesn't make sense to you. So if you think you're going to find it easier to remember the angle brackets, do that, because then you won't forget. And either one is considered acceptable to good form? Well, yeah, I mean, slash B just means one or the other. Literally, that's how it's defined. So a slash B is either a slash angle bracket or a slash the other angle bracket. So given all of that, so in the last week we were looking at these regular expressions for Celsius, sorry, temperature amounts or dollar amounts. And so we have one final rewrite of those where we use backslash B for our boundaries instead of uh, dollar sign or whatever. And then instead of having our open square bracket zero to nine, close square bracket, we just have our backslash Ds. So Oh, these all just D. run together. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Somehow I expected them to have spaces between them or something so I could read it more. No, nope. I got you. No, no, no. Okay. Because if you put a space in there, that means match me a space. Ah, right. Right. A space means a space. Okay. So you got to be careful about that. Um, and so this really is about as succinct as you're going to get with our regular expressions for um, temperatures or dollar amounts. And on the one hand, if you go through this symbol by symbol, it all makes perfect sense. On the other hand, this looks like complete gibberish if you don't understand regular expressions. Like oh, total and utter gibberish. But yeah, you I'm break not it sure down. I can see it yet, but... Okay, well, if you, if you break Let it down, try. slash B, word boundary. Right. Open square bracket, character class. Oh, it's a character class of one, the dollar symbol. Followed by backslash D, a digit. The plus sign means I'll have one or more of those, please. So we have start of word, dollar sign, one or more digits. Okay. Then we meet a group, and the whole group is optional. So it's inside round brackets with a question mark tucked on the end. So the whole thing we're about to come to is optional. Oh, right. Which is... So you, you sort of got to read ahead and then back up. So you read ahead to the end of that, that open parentheses, and you see the uh, question mark. You go, oh, okay, this may or may not be there. <coughs> yeah, so wherever you see parentheses, you're about to group something. So effectively, that's kind of like saying in English, we'd use one word for this but we have to be more specific because it's regular expressions. In this case, we simply start a character class with one element, which is the period sign. So in other words, we want a dot. Backslash D plus, so a dot followed by any amount of digits, sorry, at least one digit, one or more digits, and then the end of word. So a word word consisting of the dollar sign, a, a digit optionally followed by a period and some more digits. So if you use this so much that actually looks like something that you can glance right at it and say, yeah, that means something to me? Yes, but I am... Let's just say that in work, I am the person everyone in the entire office comes to when they have a regular expression problem. (laughs) I don't know if that my brain is just messed up or something, but (laughs) regular expressions in me are really good friends. We get on very well with each other and have had a great understanding of each other for many years. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like some people hate regular expressions forever and ever and ever, 
the first time I saw one, I fell in love, and I use them all the time. And I guess the fact that I'm a Perl programmer means I live regular expressions. Okay. So let's now put everything together. So at the end of Taming the Terminal 17, or the end of two segments ago on the podcast, we gave this really horrible regular expression for a MAC address, which is something that's just chock full of repetition. So a MAC address is two hexadecimal digits followed by a colon, followed by two hexadecimal digits, followed by a colon, followed by two hexadecimal digits, all the way through until you've had six sets of two hexadecimal digits. <laughs> and right? hexadecimal digits are 0 to 9, 8F. So you've got Correct. square brackets, 0 to 9, 8F, square brackets, 0 to 9, 8F, colon. Yeah, repeat, the whole repeat, thing is repeat. about 100 characters long. It's ick. Right. We can rewrite that now because we have learned that we can describe repetition. So this is actually a very common pattern we're about to see because something which, which the real world people like a lot is something that's separated by something, but there isn't one on the end, which means we can't actually describe the whole pattern at once. So we have open square bracket, zero to nine, eight to Z, close square bracket. In other words, one hexadecimal digit. Then we have open be A to F. It should be A to F. Well spotted. By the, by the time those. we get here, it will say A to F. By the time, by the, time the, the listeners are reading along, it will say A to F. That's two fixes to do. Okay. Um, I don't, but I'll, I know there's two. So I'll just keep hunting until I find two broken things. Uh, so 0 to 9, A to F. Open curly brackets to close curly brackets. So I'll have two of those, please. Oh, I forgot about the squirrely brackets. And then we open another group. And so we sort of look ahead to the end of the group and we see that whatever is in this group, we're going to do five times. So this whole group of the brackets has an curly bracket five, close curly bracket after it. So we have two hexadecimal characters followed by five times something. And the something is simply a colon and then two hexadecimal characters. And oh. so one. And you, you can't do it six times because it doesn't have a colon at the beginning. Exactly. Right. Okay. And that's a pattern you come across all the time because separators tend not to come at the start or end. They tend to only come in between. So it usually means you have to write the base pattern twice, once including the separator. Okay. Right, right. It's annoying, but there we go. And if we wanted to make this more robust, we should put a slash B, or if you prefer, a slash less than and a slash greater than around it. So that if there were to be some sort of strange word that contained a MAC address inside it, we wouldn't match that. We really do want just MAC addresses on their own. So it's more robust if we wrap that with the slash Bs. So we're going to put this to practical use. Um, right, right before you do that, can I? now that we have the luxury of more time, mm -hmm. I, I want to tell you something I discovered, and I wonder if you know a reason why. Hexadecimal uh, numbers or digits mm -hmm. are 0 to 9, A to F. Mm -hmm. If you have a keyboard... With a numeric keypad, that means you can type all the letters with your left hand and all the numbers with your right hand. A, B, B, B not technically a key you're supposed nope. to use. Actually, B is right between the two home keys. Yeah, no, B, B is usually, it should be your, your left forefinger. Okay, but if I put my fingers on the home keys, it's also my right. The opposite it's right in between, but it, but it's when you're taught to type, it's it goes to the left, the the uh, your left hand, not your right hand. So A B C is very clearly D E. Oh yeah, look at that, they're all clustered together. I noticed that when I was writing a lot of them one time, I was like, hey, I never have to move my hands. And then I put my other hand on the number pad, and we're away we go. 
I don't know. I don't know if that's just a happy coincidence or if it was created that way on purpose. But I noticed that like ten years ago, I went, "Huh, that's nice." I imagine it's probably a happy coincidence because remembering the QWERTY keyboard was designed to be as inefficient as possible. <laughs> yeah, right, that's not right. strictly true. Someone is going to shout. Someone is shouting at the right pod right now, so we better correct ourselves. It was designed to stop physical hammers jamming. So it's not to slow the typist down, it's to make it possible for the typist to type as quickly as possible without getting the machine stuck. Which is why you usually find that a lot of words have sort of alternate between the two halves of the keyboard so that one hammer is coming in and then a hammer is coming in from the complete opposite side of the keyboard as often as possible. Which is why my mother had to switch to a selectric typewriter because she could type faster than a, than a hammer type typewriter could type. She, she just kept insane. mushing them together. Yeah, she was insane typist. Just crazy cool. fast. Yeah. I had the misfortune, like I learned to type on my mom's typewriter, which sounds great. It was a really old one with like a clinky bell and everything when you did a carriage return. But it was from Belgium. Oh no. It was an Azerty keyboard, not a QWERTY <laughs> keyboard. That really wrecked my head for quite some time. But uh, computers have fixed that, but that did take a bit of fixing. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that I hate most about an Azerty keyboard, you have to use the shift key to get at the numbers. So you know the way on the top row of our keyboard, it's like the exclamation point is over the one. On an Azerty keyboard, the one is over the exclamation point. So you get your punctuation without a shift key. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess, for actual typing of books and stuff, probably makes sense. But for us computer types, that's very annoying. Anyway. This isn't this weekend typewriters. Let's here. So we're going to do some real-world stuff, and instead of messing around on the dictionary file, we're actually going to use regular expressions against some output of some commands. And given the fact that I've just told you the regular expression for a MAC address, you probably guessed that it's a networky command. Okay. So the command we're going to use is ifconfig, and we're going to use it without any arguments whatsoever. And the what ifconfig is for? Interface configuration. So okay. network interfaces are how you connect to a network. So IF is networky stuff. If you see anything IF in a Unixy Linuxy operating system, when they say interface, they mean network interface, almost certainly. So on Windows, it was IP config. That's how you could find out what your IP address is and the, Mac, or in the uh, uh, subnet mask and all that kind of crud, right? Which is intuitively more sensible until you realize that it also shows you the NetBIOS stuff, which is not over IP. Okay. So they're both silly is really the conclusion I've come to. <laughs> All right, good. And because I drift between the two, I type the wrong one in every terminal I come to. <laughs> if I'm on Windows, it'll be IF, and if I'm on a Mac, it'll be IP. Okay. But anyway, that's not the here nor there. So we're going to revisit this command way, way, way down the line when we come to networky stuff from the terminal. But for now, just run it once on the, com on the terminal without anything around it, just, just to see what it does, right? Because there's no point in us trying to do regular expressions on it until we see what it does. So IF config, and it just barfs out details about all your networks. And they will all make a lot of sense to you, which is fine because we're not on networks yet. So LO0, GIF0, STF0, EN0, you have a whole bunch of them here, right? Okay. doesn't matter. The point being, it's a whole load of networky glop. And in there, scattered about here and there, you will find MAC addresses. Oh, Every yeah. couple of lines, you see Ether followed by a MAC address. Yeah. Therefore, we can find the MAC addresses using regular expressions because... Oh, goody. Something to search in. Right. So up until now, we have been using the egrep command in its two-argument form. So egrep, space, inside single quotes, are pattern, space, a file. Yeah? Right. So if you look at all the previous examples, it's egrep, pattern, file. So two-argument version. Egrep can also be used in a one-argument version, where it's 
instead of it getting its input from a file, it takes its input from standard in, which means that we can pipe things to egrep. So unsurprisingly, we're going to pipe the output of ifconfig into egrep. And then you just give it the pattern. So we're going to say ifconfig space pipe space egrep, and then inside single quotes, the regular expression from above that I also have to correct in my show notes. <laughs> Which I've noted again. Yes. Now, you will notice, of course, that this regular expression will find every MAC address, even in its currently broken form, because A to Z definitely contains all valid MAC addresses. It would also pick up invalid MAC addresses. That'd be unlikely those would exist, so you're probably It's okay. unlikely those exist, which is why when I was testing this, I never noticed my regular expression was being too generous. Okay. So it would give you false positives, not false negatives. So if you do that, you'll see that the only lines out of all of that output we now see are the ones containing MAC addresses, and so we can read them off. Hmm. And there's actually quite a few of them. Depending on your Mac, my MacBook Pro, I see two, four, six of them. Which is because even stuff like your Bluetooth card has a MAC address, because Bluetooth can be used as a network. Cool. So. Anyway, so that's our first example, and... Um, if you can do MAC addresses, probably not you know, a massive leap to do IP addresses. And this gives us a chance to play with more of our cardinality operators. So it's the same model as we had for the MAC address. It's going to be something, and then the same thing repeated, but with a separator. So in this case, an IP address is some numbers, a dot, some numbers, a dot, some numbers, a dot, some numbers. So again, we wrap it in slash Bs because we want to find line boundaries. We don't want anything that's not really a MAC address to be picked up. Then we have slash D for digit. And in this case, inside our curly brackets, we have 1, 3, which would be because... What was it? Something between 1 and 3? No. I so forget. at least one digit, no oh, more right. than 3. Because valid MAC addresses are between 1 and 255. Right, 1 right, has right, one right. digit, 255 has three digits, so to find all MAC addresses, we need to allow up to three digits before the dot. So, hence, we have slash D, 1, 3. Got it. Then we have our parentheses to create a group. And at the end of that parentheses, we find open curly bracket, 3, close curly bracket. So, whatever we're going to put inside these parentheses, we want three of them, please. Okay. And what goes into these parentheses is the character class for the period sign, followed by slash D, 1, 3. So, we Makes would like to me. 1 to 3 digits, and then 3 times a dot followed by 1 to 3 digits. And that is a MAC address. Don't we need and to if put that ifconfig pipe egrep thing at the beginning of that? I was going to say, if we then take ifconfig pipe egrep, stick that thing oh. into, single, into single quotes, and run it again, and we will see all the MAC addresses configured on our computer. And it should be a bunch of 127 addresses and then your actual IP address, which is probably a 192. Or 10.0.1.5 if you've got or a, a uh, airport. So if, you have, if you have an airport, yeah. I have an airport, but I don't let my airport be my DHCP server. Right. Anyway, that doesn't matter. So, now let's go way, way back. So, in, when I was giving my introduction, I put up a big, ugly regular expression, and I said, I promise you, when we come to the end of this, this regular expression will make sense. But right now, it's absolute garbage. Right. And that regular expression was to match domain names. And so here it is again. But now that we know what we know, let's see if we can't make sense of it. Okay. So the very first thing we meet is a character class which contains lowercase and uppercase letters and digits. Right. 
And you will note that if we, so a a domain name can't start with a minus sign. So it has to be a letter or a digit at the start. Okay. Then it can have zero or more other letters, but it could also have dashes. So you'll notice that the second character class is open square bracket minus A to Z, A to Z, zero to nine. So it recognizes you, the minus, the dash. Yeah. Which is kind of quirky. Then, yeah, but then it's not annoyed by the dash in the middle of the A to, A to Z. Yeah, because okay. what it's actually doing is A to Z, it's sort of seeing as one thing. Okay. And so as dash on its own, it's perfectly happy with it. It's kind of weird that it's that clever, but it's rather convenient that it's that clever. So we don't have to escape it. So sure. it looks pretty. And then we say star of those. So we can have either none of them or as many of them as we'd like. Okay. And so a valid domain name would be one. Just on its own, just one. Wait, how could there be none of them, though? Ah, because remember, that only applies to the one character class directly to its left. So we had something oh. which could be a dash, followed by zero or more things that could be a dash. Because a dash can never start a domain name. So yeah, the domain so it's name... has got to have a letter or number at the beginning. Right. So we can have... So a valid domain name would be I, or I minus, or I, I minus, or localhost. Okay. Valid domain name. And then, which means that everything else after that simple domain name is optional. So you'll notice we start a round bracket, and way, way, way over at the end, the matching round bracket, we find a star. So in other words, everything we're about to put into this is optional. Okay. We can have one of them, or we can have none of them, or we can have infinity of them. And then none of them is almost exclusively to allow you to have localhost, right? In reality, yeah. Okay. But in theory, you could call your machine anything you like, right? It doesn't okay. have to be localhost. So then we have inside square brackets a period. In other words, we would like to match an actual period, an actual dot. Mm -hmm. And then the same rule again, because that same rule that we just had outside applies again. So in other words, we have to have a letter or a digit as the first character, then we can have zero or more characters after that, which can include our friend, the minus, the dash. Are there such things as single-digit domain names? Because that's what uh, you're allowing here. I'm allowing them because they are allowed by the specification. Oh, not that they exist in reality. There are two digits. Say, like if, you on your home network, if you on your home network run a DNS server, you can create any domain name you like. And if you point your computers at your DNS server, that will work. Okay, because the specification allows it. Specification allows it. And so what we have done there is we have implemented the actual, and this is not like, I haven't dumbed this down. This is an actually valid regular expression for a domain name. Okay. And it, like, it makes sense to us, right? We could work it out. Yep, yep, it does. So now let's have sure a look I'll be able to do it tomorrow, but I can do it right now. <laughs> okay, well, we have our little cheat sheet further up in the show notes. So, yeah. you know. So now let's go back at our joke one. Open round bracket, BB, close round bracket, pipe, open square bracket, uh, hat sign, B, close curly bracket, open curly bracket, two, close curly bracket. Right. If you were technically minded, you would read that as two Bs or two characters that are not Bs. Oh, How else could you read that? To be or not to be. <laughs> ding, ding. Wait, but it's two Bs or not to Bs. To be or not to be. Look, it takes a little bit of Shakespearean sort of interpretation. <laughs> Yeah, but it is to be or not to be as a regular expression. And you can buy that as a t-shirt on Think. Really? Oh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> so when you see someone wearing that t-shirt, go up to them and say, to be or not to be, haha, very good. And they'll think you're fantastic. <laughs> and another reason I threw it in is because last month was actually Shakespeare's 450th birthday. Wow. So that seemed appropriate. Dude's old. 
and dead. <laughs> <laughs> but what's kind of interesting is a lot of his stuff is still very relevant. If you, you know, you need to mentally translate the thousand of these and the e's and the whatnots, but, you know, his themes are still right, which okay. I guess is kind of his magic. Anyway, we have now covered probably more of POSIX EORE than, you're, than most of us are ever going to need. But okay. actually, we haven't covered all of it, all of it. So if for some reason you want to know even more, there's a link in the show notes to a tutorial that goes into even more detail, because there are actually even more escape sequences that we could have looked at. I just, they're just not ones I've ever needed. So I didn't think at this point, you know, I didn't think we should fill our brains with stuff we're never going to need. Instead, I'll put a link to it if you ever do. Okay, good. So we have now learned all we need to learn. And I did promise you that this wasn't just for the terminal. So I also dug up some screenshots from apps that I use where I get to use regular expressions while I am in a GUI. Hmm. And the first sort of class of apps where these tend to pop up is in, you know, sort of advanced text editors, and people call them programmers' editors. You don't have to use them for programming, but basically text editors that are more powerful than textedit.app. Okay. And one I really love for simple stuff is Smoltron, because it's lightweight, takes seconds to start. Like, you know, a lot of programmers will use a full IDE, which takes like 20 minutes to boot takes up 5 million gigabytes of RAM, and I am only slightly exaggerating. Smoltron has the advantage of being as quick to launch almost as text edit, but it's actually a proper text editor. So I love Smoltron. It's in the App Store. Link's there. Uh, it's not free, but it's not expensive, and I just adore the app. And if you go to Smoltron's advanced find and replace window, you will see that one of the checkboxes to control what the search means is use regular expressions. And if you oh, check cool. that, it will use regular expressions. So I'm looking for the pattern word boundary, the word bless, followed by a word boundary, which is a keyword in Perl. If I didn't put the word boundaries around, I would find like blessing and blessington and anything else that had bless as part of a word, but the slash Bs mean I'm only going to find that when it's on its own. In other words, when it is the keyword I'm looking for. And so that finds only the one line of code. And if you're very observant there, you'll see that I am working on a new version of XK Password. Oh... Okay. And that is that is line 64 of the source code as of when I took the screenshot. You know, this just looks like you're a narcissist, though, because the Bart Bouchats is BB, so it's a slash oh, yeah. BB. <laughs> BB less B, <laughs> which is just one B, I guess. Anyway, uh, and the same thing then. So if you want to get into real Perl programming, you're probably going to need it. Uh, well, you're going to, you might like a full IDE. You could spend a fortune and buy a really full IDE from Act Up State, or you can get their free version, which is called Komodo Edit. And again, the Komodo Edit Find dialog has a little checkbox that says Regex, which we know is shorthand for regular expression. And so you can yet again see that line 64 there is what it picks up, and it finds the word bless properly with the slash Bs around it. Another place it shows up is in apps for bulk renaming files. And so... If are you a Pathfinder fan? Uh, no, I know what it is. Okay, who? Someone I know is obsessed with Pathfinder. It's not you. Okay, for some reason I thought it was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Pathfinder has it in its bulk rename feature, as does Name Mangler Three, which is actually the bulk renamer that I use. That's and so they George both have loves. it. Hmm? George is a huge fan of Name Mangler. Ah, okay. Now I'm absolutely adore Name Mangler. So in Name Mangler, there's a little. Um, there's a little, there's a little checkbox there. So query is a regular expression. If you just want a normal search, 
uncheck it if you want a regular expression search check it hmm. and in uh, Pathfinder there's a little drop down so you see the drop down there it says replace regex it could be replace text if I didn't want a regular expression oh okay so uh, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking in text wrangler and it has an option it doesn't have that but it says grep do you think they mean regular expressions if it says grep, grep? means B-R-E so yes regular expression and then not E-R-E B-R-E so only the simple stuff it says grep G-R-E-P. Yeah, grep. Okay. Yeah, grep is is B or E. E grep is E or E. Remember, so B or E basically means we can have our dot, we can have our star, we can have our plus, but we can't have our curly brackets. We can't oh. have our slash D's. I'm not learning. But we this can't two have our open part. brackets zero to nines. Okay. Right, grep is old and right. The reason I'm saying everyone use E grep is because E grep is better. <laughs> And it lets us do all of the stuff we learned, whereas grep only lets us do the stuff we... Now, the re, right, I chose a really special point to break between 17 and 18, and that point is almost exactly at the point where ERE's and BRE's stop being the same. Okay. So most of the stuff we did the first day you could do there with that little grep checkbox. Okay, cool. Which is still useful, right? There's still cool stuff sure. in there. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of wraps it up. So we now have, a fa- we now know how to write a pattern. So any command that wants as an input a pattern, we now have the skill to give it a pattern, which means that we're now free to actually start looking at commands that find things. And so that's where we're going next. All right. So we'll get to do some practical applications. Yes. Uh, so we're, obviously one of the things we're going to be looking at is egrep has some more options that we haven't covered yet. So egrep is where we're going to start, where we're going next. But there are other commands to do other things that are useful for finding stuff. So that that is where we're off to. All right. Sounds like fun, Bart. Kidoki. Well, uh, that'll be a while away. But whenever that is, until then, happy computing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at bartb.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeet.com or podcasting at bartafisser.net. <laughs>